Charlene Steinkamp invites you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Welcome, welcome to a telephone conference in Pompano Beach, Florida with Carrie and Ryan and they're from Tennessee, and we're thrilled to have them as our guests today, and they have a restored marriage. And we're going to let them tell us the story about what happened to their marriage and what happened to both of them after they started realizing they had marriage problems and then um, the, how they, what happened. I'm not even going to tell you all the details to even get you started to think if you haven't heard about it or if you've not watched the uh, YouTube wedding, then I hope you will go to Saturday Testimonies today and click on the, the uh, link, and you will be able to watch it after the uh, program today. But we're thrilled to have them because they have been remarried with a beautiful church wedding, and that has a lot of hope and encouragement that will be so much encouraging to you when uh, you hear what the pastor said uh, to them both. And uh, we're just thrilled to have them both to be able to talk to you and us and share more in details. I know when you watch a wedding like that, you say, oh, I wish I knew the story. Well, today you're going to hear the story. And uh, Ryan, we're thrilled to have you here because you were the obedient prodigal that came home. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And Carrie, you were the stander, and you stood, you prayed, and you've been there like many of us that have cried and prayed and prayed and wondered if your husband was going to be obedient and come home. But you have been remarried, and you know God does answer prayers. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Well, let's open up with prayer, and I'm going to do a little um couple of uh, scriptures, and then we're going to get started with Ryan right off. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for Ryan and Carrie sharing their testimony, and we just give you the praise, the glory, and honor for this. And, Lord, we know that they have been transparent with their wedding on YouTube, and so that over 6,000, 6,500 people have watched it, and we give glory and honor to you that one more person that watches it gives them hope and encouragement that nothing is impossible with you. And we just ask that you would anoint Carrie and Ryan to speak the words and the stories and be transparent with their emotions and feelings that they went through and what their struggles were with this today. And we just thank you for that. And we thank you for their daughter um, being with them. And we just ask that you would anoint them and touch them. We ask that you be with Lori and I. And our staff that's here, and we just praise you and thank you for Beverly being here praying for us. And um, we just thank you for how this is all being transpired and that now people will remember to call in on their cell phones or at home. And I pray you would all um, just be encouraged. I pray, Lord, you would give them hope and faith, increase their tenacity and perseverance in their prayer life. And I just pray that you will move the mountains of circumstances that now they can see that nothing is impossible with you. And uh, we just ask that you would touch Lori and I as we speak to them and give you the praise and the glory for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I opened up my Bible uh, today, I had so many scriptures running through my mind of what we could use today. But 
In Mark 10, uh, one of the scriptures that God gave me, I'm going to read two scriptures in Mark 10, verse 27. It said, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And Mark 11, verse 22, was one of the scriptures that God gave me when I was standing, and it says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, and my mountain was a mountain of divorce, and Carrie had a mountain of divorce and a non-covenant marriage, and it says, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And oh, forgiveness is a huge part of marriage restoration, as we will talk about it today. But I, that scripture was mine and it answers so many questions. So if there is someone, I know so many of you that are dialing in, men and women, are saying, but let me tell you my circumstances. Let me tell you about my wife, my husband. You don't know what they've done. You don't know what they're doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Have faith in God. May you take the scripture today, Mark eleven twenty-two to 26, and may you print it out and may you read it and read it and read it and memorize it because it's for you. It's for you for the impossible circumstances. And let God say, throw it into the sea and do not doubt. And that's what we're going to say because this is a story that all of us may doubt. All of us may walk in fear, but God has a plan and a purpose that's far greater than ours. And that's what we're going to start with. Ryan, he is going to open up and share about their marriage and what he feels led to to start with um, this. And while he is going to get ready to start, if you have questions about something you hear on the call today, send them to us, and we will try to get them during the call. We are not going to promise you because it depends on how long we go on. But you can use Twitter at Steinkamps, or you can email to question at rejoiceministries.org. And uh, I hope everybody has heard today, but we're coming to Dallas, Texas, and I hope that you will go to our rejoicemarriageministries.org, go to the banner on the very front page, read about it, and pray about it, and see if you are to come and join us at our Rejoice on the Road, Dallas, Texas, on May 31st and June 1st. We would love to see you, meet you or greet you again if you've, we've already met you. But we're excited about it, and we're going to rejoice on the road to Dallas, Texas, for the first time. So hope all of you will uh, pray about that also. Ryan, welcome. Thank Tell you. us about your story. Well, uh, when I was preparing uh, this, I was writing quite a bit down, and and I don't I don't like to talk a whole lot. I'm kind of a quiet guy. So I thought, well, I'll try to time this and see, you know, how much how much I can get in. And if I throw in quite a bit of wells and hands and ohms and butts, <laughs> gosh, just just a little over five minutes. So. Oh, that is nothing because you've got an hour and a half. <laughs> and Ryan I, said when we talked on the phone a while back, Ryan, you said, I don't know how we're going to kill an hour and a half. And I said, 
we last time spent two hours talking because we were so busy talking. <laughs> That's true. I woke up this morning and I told Carrie that she might not get to talk at all because because God had been laying so much uh, in my on my heart and in my spirit. And I had a couple of or I had a dream last night about things that I needed to say. So, um, but anyway, we're excited for you. Well, thank you. Um, I want to encourage the standers to continue to pray for the prodigals because that is so important, and it, it was so important in our relationship that Carrie continued to pray and continued to pray because I felt her prayers, uh, even though I was, you know, pretty far away, um, you know, spiritually and physically. I was in, I was over 500 miles away. I felt her prayers, and I knew that she was praying for me. And the reason I say that is I had a friend and his wife committed suicide last week because of some uh, financial decisions that she had made and that he didn't know about, and she got in trouble. Anyway, she committed suicide, and um, and there were many times that I thought, and it you know, would probably be a lot better if I was just out of the picture. You know, Carrie and Michaela could have a a better life or you know I just thought it would be better if I wasn't there and but I, I kept thinking you know that's that's more selfish than what I what I did in the first place was was leaving her so I want to encourage the, the standards to continue to pray because that's what helped me get through different situations difficult Times and, and and different thoughts of of you know this is not worth it. So and I want to encourage the prodigals to obey God when He tells you to go back and and go back. It's 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 harder the longer you stay away and uh, and so um, I grew up a the son of a of a youth pastor. My dad was my youth pastor growing up in high school and stuff like that. So I always thought and felt I can't sin, I can't do anything wrong because, you know, you know, God would be ashamed of me and disappointed in me and, and then, of course, my dad. And dad being my earthly father, you know, I, I can feel the uh, the brunt of his disappointment, um, you know, firsthand. So... I never wanted that to happen, and so I've always had that mentality of, you know, I can't, can't, I don't want to do anything wrong. I can't do anything wrong. My dad's he's pastor. He's seems closer to God than I am, and um, so when all of this transpired, you know, Carrie and I had been married for 15 years, and just maybe a couple of years before, uh, before we got divorced, I was in the mindset of, of I'm tired of, of this. I'm tired of, um, you know, Carrie is, was sometimes harsh and, and brash and a little controlling and stuff like that, and I was I was tired of it. And and so I thought, you know, uh, if somebody, somebody else gives me a little attention that I'm not getting from Carrie, then I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And what I needed to do was to communicate to Carrie, hey, let's, Let's, we need to do something else, or and I didn't. I didn't communicate to her. I just 
just did what I wanted to do. I, I became selfish and and uh, wanted to, you know, go my own direction. And so I left Carrie um, and Michaela in November of 2009 and uh, started dating somebody else after I left her. Carrie and I got divorced and I got remarried in 2010, July of 2010. And it and I thought it was great, but it only lasted, the greatness only lasted about a minute. And I was told from the girl that I married that things that I, you know, I wanted to hear. And uh, and as soon as we got married, all that stuff changed. And I knew that, <clears throat> I knew that I was doing something wrong. I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but I felt that I was too far gone, too far deep into it, and I had made my bed and I have to lie in it now. So I was trying to trying to make good of it. And um, I was working three jobs. I was working at UPS in the morning, loading trucks from about 4 to 9 in the morning. And then I would go work a construction job. We'd remodel houses from about 9 to 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and then I would... I'm a personal trainer, so I would go and train three or four nights a week. And so I was doing all that, and and, um, about November of 2010, uh, it was either right before Thanksgiving or right after, um, my personal training job kind of fizzled out because clients were, didn't want to pay, you know, the, their money anymore or they were just tired or what, whatever the case may be. That's what I thought um, in my construction job. It was getting cold and, and we weren't doing a lot of work, so I was laid off of that. Um, and so I only had UPS, which was just first thing in the morning, and it was seasonal, and it was going to end around Christmas time. Uh, I began looking for work. And nothing opened up, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, I look back now, and I know what's going, what was going on. You know, he dissolved all my jobs because he had something else in mind. And I think it was right around Thanksgiving time. I said, Lord, you know, whatever your will is for my life, that's what I want. Whatever I need to do to be in your will then that's what I want to do. And so <clears throat> at Christmas time, UPS job, it went away, so I didn't have anything. And I went down to Florida right after Christmas to see my mom and dad and my sister. And uh, a job down there opened up as a personal trainer of a, at a brand-new gym. And the owners of the gym were Christian, and, and I thought, man, this would be... This would be just great. And now I have to tell my wife uh, that we're moving to Florida. So I came back up to Tennessee and told her, and she said, "No way. There's no way that I'm going to move down there with you. No, I don't. I don't even need you." So I thought, okay. Well, another week went by. I was offered the job down there, so I, and I really wanted to go, but I didn't know how this was all going to work out. 
and that was on a Friday, and Sunday morning I woke up, I was going to get ready for church, and I looked in the mirror and I said, God, you've got to get me out of this. There's, I do not need to be in this relationship, and I don't know how to, how to get out of it and how to get back to my family. Um, so you, you've got to do something. And probably 30 minutes after I said that, um, the wife that I had then, she told me to, to leave and get out. So I packed up everything and I I went to Florida and moved in with my mom and dad, and my aunt, and um, and started this this other job. And, uh, but I knew and I felt uh, Carrie's prayers for me the whole entire entire time, and many times when uh, when I was married. To Dana, Carrie would text me and just say, I love you, or just say, you know, I'm praying for you. And at first, I didn't, I didn't want to hear that, but, but as things went, things transpired and, and kept going on, I, I was longing for her to text me. I, I, I wanted to hear that, and I needed to hear that. And um, so... <clears throat> So I went to Florida and uh, started working down there, being with my mom and dad, and they would continue, they would pray with me. And my mom had talked to the pastor of our church. Mom and dad had talked to the pastor of the church down down in Crystal River, and uh, and I knew that he was praying for me. And and my mom had talked to a, a couple in the church that, that had a marriage class. And, uh, I think they had uh, had been in. Marriage trouble during their marriage, and so they they had gotten some help. So now they had a class for for, for couples, struggling couples, and I knew that that couple was praying for us. So I knew a lot of people were praying, and even the my old pastor uh, that my dad used to work for, he had called me, said, "Ryan, I need I need to speak to you." So I went and talked to him, and he said, said, I had a dream about you last night. God gave me a dream. He said, I've never, in the 40-plus years that I've been pastor, he's never given me a dream about anyone, not even in my family, but he gave me a dream about you that that I need to continue to lift you up in prayer because I know that you you need it. He said, so I'm just going to lift you up in prayer every, every day. So you know, I knew I knew people were, were praying for me, and and uh, you know any pretty much every sermon that I listened to or went to went to church, pastor would step on my toes, and it was about <laughs> relationships. It was about relationships, about being faithful, and uh, you know just different different things like that. So I knew you know God was. You know, every service, God was speaking directly to me, and I could have, you know, I, I should have just been the the only person in the in the audience. But, um, but when I was while I was down there, you know, Carrie and I started texting back and forth, and we would meet halfway so I could get Michaela a couple, of, you know, a weekend here or there, and um, and we had been texting quite a bit and talking on the phone some. And, 
and I I said, you know, why don't you come down and go to go on vacation with us? We we're going to go to New Smyrna Beach. My mom and dad, and, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, and so her and Michaela, you know, came down. We had a good time, and uh, and then when they went back, I kind of froze up and couldn't. I couldn't commit to, to getting back with my family because I had felt like I wasn't worthy of of them. You know, and I, I, I guess I wasn't and truly forgiven myself of what I've done. I knew that God had forgiven me and Carrie was forgiving me and Michaela had forgiven me but and and they were all trying and but I just I I just froze up and I couldn't couldn't do it, so I kind of put the stop sign up in front of Carrie, and and uh, I knew that I just I just had a hard time uh, going on with it because I couldn't I couldn't see how she would she would love me um, for what I had, for what I had done. I had left I had stepped out on her. I had left her and her and Michaela and. I just couldn't see how we can get our family back and she could love me. And so so I kind of put a halt to our talking and our texting. Like that. So I guess I, I could let, should let Carrie speak for a little bit. Let me <laughs> ask you a question before we get Carrie on. I I know the other woman, when you got married, you did something very unusual for your proposal. Do you feel like you'd like to share what you did to emphasize to Carrie that you were not going to come back? I, we went to a, there's a minor league baseball uh, team here in Tennessee, and uh, we went to the baseball game and and I proposed on TV at home plate during, I think, the fifth or seventh inning. Uh, they do, like, a, they have a kid come out of the audience, and they run around the bases. And so we all went down there with Dana had a son, has got a son. and um, So he ran around the bases, and I asked her to marry me on national television. And they, uh, after we got off the field, um, they had asked why did I do that on, on TV, and I said, you know, so everybody, you know, what what better place than to, to have thousands of people watch, you know, watch this unfold. So. Which was, of course, a little shocking for Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> To say the least, Carrie, right? Right. If the devil didn't pull all the plugs out, that was one of the big ones to say um, he's never coming home. In fact, he's made a he's made a huge statement to everybody who now knows that may never know. Usually, everybody knows now what he has done. So there was no doubt that you uh, were divorced and your marriage was over. So. You know, the I love, well, I did not know this story until Carrie and Ryan and I talked back several months ago, and uh, and we were getting all the information done with putting the um, 
getting the pastor and all your permission to put it up on YouTube. And then you both told me and shared how that this was meaning so much to you. And we had no idea what the numbers would be uh, putting it up on YouTube of having your wedding there. And uh, we're over 6,500, so we're going to pray that we're going to have 100,000 someday to say, you know, the TV is squashed and uh, and look what God has done. It doesn't matter all the tricks, all the schemes the enemy will use against you and your spouse that you are going through, steer stander. It doesn't matter how big the ring is. It doesn't matter how much they spent on them with wedding, um, vacations, all the fancy cars or any of these things that the enemy is using to tell you to give up. This is never, never going the biggest house, a new house, building houses, I've heard it all. I'm telling you, but God says, my ways are not your ways. And it didn't matter what um, Ryan did that day, thinking he was really stamping this to be a marriage that was going to last forever. But God said, oh, you don't know, <laughs> you know let alone your parents praying, but most of all, Carrie, having God speak to her and uh, and start the process. Ryan, you, you explained it beautifully, what you were going through. You've, you've given a lot of nuggets of gold to us, which we'll discuss in a few minutes. But the most powerful one is that you felt her prayers. And if that is not the most important thing, that and, and other people praying, that is one of the most urgent please that I have and that we say a lot is never, never give up. And the enemy will use, um, and I know Carrie can share about this too, is that we get weary, we get tired, we feel like we see nothing happening. So a lot of times we feel that God is not answering our prayers. We don't know what's going on on the other side of that mountain. And and because of that, um, Often a standard will get lax in praying, or they'll say, well, I'll wait on God, but I'm not praying. And um, and if I can remind you of Luke 18, you can look up. But read Luke 18, because that widow woman was persevering and persevering over and over and over. And because of her perseverance, um, God moved the mountain of, of touching unjust judge and changing and letting her win in what she was asking for. And uh, and the unjust judge, Luke 18, let me read it to you before we get carrying on right now. It says, and listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Listen to that, dear standard. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And you need to read that whole 18, verse 1 through 8. And uh, may I challenge you, as we say before, prayer is a key to marriage restoration. Carrie, how did you do when uh, all of a sudden you found out that Ryan was tired of your marriage and and God was going to start saying, Carrie, Ryan, we need to change this. 
and I'm going to allow things to happen to get your marriage to be all that I want it to be. Uh, you know, I think that was the key word. All of a sudden, he announced it. <laughs> um, we had been married almost 15 years um, when he, one night, in fact, we were um, talking about a coming up, uh, we were going to a marriage conference. And we'd been talking about it, you know, and, and I hope this doesn't offend Ryan when I say this, but Ryan was great at wearing a mask. Um, like he said, he grew up in a church family, and not that a lot of what he did wasn't sincere, but I do believe that toward the end he would get up every day and continue to put on the, the faithful husband and the Sunday school teacher and the all of those things that he knew he was supposed to be doing um, and what I didn't recognize is that he had checked out. Um, and should I have absolutely looking back, I can see that the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me about those things, but I was, you know, I was just kind of oblivious to it because he was still saying the right things, still, you know, I can remember even just a few days before him telling me how much he loved me. I was, you know, I got great birthday presents that year. Everything everything seemed the same um, and normal. And it was one night when we were discussing this marriage conference that we were fixing to go to that he just kind of sat up on his elbow in bed and said, I'm done, you know, and, and it was just, it was, it was like a an explosion in my life that I can't even describe. And I can remember he just made his announcement. We talked for a couple minutes and he rolled over and went to sleep, told me that he was leaving he was tired of this he wasn't going to put up with it anymore and he was out of here and I can remember literally almost just crawling into the other room because I felt like I couldn't breathe and I thought what just happened (laughs) you know and I I grabbed a bible that's the first thing that I knew to do and did you know a very immature Christian thing to do I thought Lord you know you were there what just happened my husband just said he's leaving and uh, you know, I don't even know where this came from, and I, I did the whole. I'm just going to open the Bible to wherever it falls. <laughs> I've I've rarely hey, done God that. God works life, in any ways He can get yeah. our attention. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so I thought, okay, so I opened it up to Ezekiel um, 37 to the the Valley of Dry Bones, you know, and I thought, really, and I read a few verses, read that little section, and I thought, I kind of closed my Bible and was kind of disgusted because I thought, okay, that that doesn't make any sense. I was looking for something, you know, that was going to make me feel better, not some strange prophecy about bones and all this stuff. And and I can remember the rest of the night just sitting there stunned. I mean, I don't think I said anything. I don't think I could even pray. And um, But as time went on, and I, I go back to that first night, that was my first word. <laughs> my first word it was... was that he was going to restore, and then lots of other things, you know, within that scripture as time went on, but um, I couldn't receive it at that moment, but God was definitely speaking to me. Um, yes, he was. And then um, a couple weeks after Ryan, you know, and and let me just say, Ryan did not make a slow exit. It was It was fast and complete. I mean, one day I had a husband and I had a storybook Christian family and the next day he was just gone there was no explanation to our daughter there was no you know he didn't tell anybody he didn't he was just gone he did not want to your daughter and explain it first no 
No. Okay. He, he, it was just, you know, it was a, a complete, you know, I think it was probably one of those things, i got to get out of here or I might get sucked back in. <laughs> right, um, right. But for me, it was just because, you know, and I had a friend later explain to me, I think Ryan divorced you in his heart a long time ago. You just right. didn't know it. And and that's right. why he was able to leave so completely and so easily because I kept saying, how could he just walk out, you know, but it it was gradual and I was completely unaware of it. Um, so, um, you know, as it, it just, it was, I, I can remember looking at the verse in Malachi and um, it's saying, you know, of course it says that God hates divorce and all of that, um, but it says the man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord God of Israel does violence to the one he should protect. And I remember just thinking that I felt assaulted. <laughs> I mean, I could not describe it in another way. I, fe- I felt violence. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, you know, just like the verse you just read that we needed to pray continually. That's all I could do. I just was on my face all the time in the Word. You know, I, I couldn't listen to the radio. I couldn't watch TV with Michaela. I felt so raw and so broken that I just spent every moment that I could just with the Lord, just, you know, just crying out to him to just give me the next breath. <laughs> and I know a lot of the standards know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that's all did there is. Did you work? Were you employed at that time? I did. Mm-hmm. And you went to work and then came back home and lived your life in I a did. crisis. Okay. I did. Um, you know, not knowing, quite honestly, I thought Ryan would, you know, just needed some space. Because that's kind of, he kind of alluded to that in the beginning. He had said there wasn't another person over and over, um, and I believed him. And um, so I just thought, you know, we just need some time apart. He's going to spend some time away for a little bit. And I, I, I sincerely thought, you know, Ryan doesn't believe in divorce. I don't either. This isn't, you know, it's not going to end this way. <laughs> so all of it was, was real fast and furious. It was very much a shock. Um but in all of that, uh, one of the first verses that the Lord gave me besides the Ezekiel was Exodus 14:14, 14, 14, and that's where um, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And Ryan will tell you I'm not a very still person. I'm not a very calm person. <laughs> I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of defending myself, you know, and, and, um, and I remember that just being my first instinct was just to, you know, call him and tell him this is wrong, we are Christians, give him some scripture, you know, just lay it all out, all the stuff I knew he already knew, but I just felt like I needed to say it, and at every at every moment, and this was even before I found Rejoice Marriage Ministries and read the Zip Your Lips, you know, but the Lord was <laughs> to me. <laughs> You know, he what, was, what you did not want to hear, right? No, 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 no. But he gave me my own version, you know, and, and it was <laughs> it was to be still. Um, and that was my, what I call my banner verse. You know, it was one that started in the very beginning, and I never stopped hearing it over and over and over. It was out of Psalm uh, 46.10, was be still and know that I'm God. Um, and it's funny because that, that chapter, um, the first four verses or five verses I think um, was actually a song that I used to sing to my daughter when she was little and having a hard time going to sleep and and never did I know that a few verses down was going to (laughs) become 
was going to become. You know, I just usually knew those first six verses. A and billboard then, in your heart. And exactly. Lungs, <laughs> and so in the beginning, I saw that verse as a rebuke from the Lord and just a stop talking, stop fighting. You need to be still. You need to stop what, you know, everything that I, every way that I could conceive of, I needed to, to fight this. I needed to say something. I needed to you know, organize something, send somebody to Ryan or, you know, make him open his eyes, um, you know, and and God just kept telling me, just be still, just be still, this is not your battle, you know, and uh, and so then, and it did, I mean, it was comical, you would not believe the places I saw that verse, and it became funny, and, and Michaela, my daughter, who was eight at the time, she she thought it was a big joke, too, She she would just... She saw it everywhere, and she'd start laughing, and she'd say, "There you go, Mom. There's your verse again." <laughs> and um, and so over time, was, let me jump in and ask you a question. How long okay. was it before you, when you got divorced? How long from the time he left to the time you got divorced? What was that time period? I believe it was seven months period total. Was that right, Ryan? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. And then when did he announce his engagement and he got married? Oswin was that afterwards. The the engagement was less than a week after we signed the final papers, and then okay. the marriage was less than a month after that. So okay, it was so very he quick. Did, it all happened with in less than a year. He was married to the other person. Then yes. Okay. Right. It, I just wanted to so, get that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was. You a, had a lot. You had a lot to, to absorb in, in less than a year. Yes, it was very fast and very furious. Um, and at one point, one of one of the main scriptures that the Lord gave me was, um, He left in November, and um, again for quite some time, He was telling me that there wasn't anybody else, and um, and then other people. He, you know, saw him and and knew that there was somebody else in the picture. Picture, and they were they were trying to tell me, and um, but here I was walking around saying, "No, God's told me He's going to restore our marriage." And Ryan said, Amen. "There's not anybody else." And so, um, you know, that was one of the things that I struggled with deeply. I, I didn't struggle with um, depression and and uh, financial issues and stuff like a lot of the standards do. My deepest struggle, I, I think, was. Um, embarrassment and shame i would get on uh, on rejoice marriage and and read about the prodigal shame and guilt and all this and, and i didn't see that in ryan although i'm sure you know i knew in my heart he must be experiencing it but he was very um confident and proud and when he was around me i mean he just looked like he had never been happier and and all of that and um and I would go home and I would think, I am so embarrassed. I am so ashamed. I, you know, we were this model Christian couple, and and look at us. You know what what happened? What 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 was I not enough of? You know that my husband was not willing to even discuss with me before he left. You know he wouldn't. Why was I not valuable enough to fight for? And that was one of the cries of my heart. Um, through all of this was, God, somebody needs to fight for me. You know, am I not valuable enough for somebody to stand up for me or to fight for me in this? And that's why that verse, you know, in Exodus was so powerful to me because that was the cry of my heart. Somebody fight for me. Somebody show me that I'm valuable Um, because I felt so rejected, you know, and I know every stander knows knows that rejection is a powerful tool of the enemy. Um, Um. And, of 
of course, what um, Charlene said about, I can remember um, the Lord had given me a verse um, out of Isaiah 54, 4 through 8, and I'm sure a lot of standards know this verse very intimately because it's the verse that um, that says that God will be your husband, you know, and, and that the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. Um, but the first part of that says, Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. And I can remember specifically the night that Ryan uh, proposed on television just in the floor, just crying out to the Lord saying, but you promised (laughs) that I wasn't going to be put to shame and you promised that I wasn't going to be humiliated and I am so humiliated that's my husband. And at this time, because things had happened so fast, most people that knew us didn't even know we were divorced, much less I had people coming up to me saying, wasn't that Ryan on TV proposing to somebody else? What happened? You know, are you guys divorced? <laughs> um, you know, and so I just I just remember being so broken that night and saying, but God, you, you gave me this verse and you said I wasn't going to be put to shame, you know, and how are you going to fix this? <laughs> and um, and I just remember that so vividly and that's why, um, you know, in, in all of this and in all of this restoration, it was it was great and I saw God's hand in so many different ways, but... One of the things that just overwhelmed me was um, I remember sitting at the computer and I had gotten, you know, we'd sent you guys the DVD of the wedding and we were rejoicing about that. But when you sent me an email and you said, I thought you might want to know that um, this many people had hit your wedding. And the Holy Spirit at that moment said, see, (laughs) I told you I was going to redeem this. And I told you that you know that you were not going to be put to shame and that, that that humiliation was going to be taken away and at that moment it was like the the lord lifted that off of me and um and did did remind me that you know Ryan Ryan proclaimed his his sin before thousands of people but now I'm showing thousands of people what I can do and that was just so powerful to me you know one of those things that I just thought I was just going to have to kind of help let go I think as as standers we kind of make this list of things that we're just going to have to let go and God's not going to be able to fix certain things. And this was one of those I had put on that list that I thought, this one's just not going to get any better. (laughs) You know, it's like God having a blackboard where the sins are all listed and all the trials and the pain and the suffering that the standards have to go through, through different things that the prodigal husband or wife may never realize all the pain and the the personal trauma that we go through, but it was when I called and I emailed you and then we got to talk and all, it was like the Lord had put the blood of Jesus and took an eraser and just took all of that. When you were talking about it, I thought it's under the blood, it's covered, all of it is gone, you know, all that pain, suffering and shame. God is getting the glory and honor now, far-reaching all different countries around the world, far greater than what that what He did on the TV, and uh, and I believe God is going to continue to do that because when you and Ryan told me that on the telephone, I was shocked because you two we were thinking, wow, this is going to be. I wonder if they will even allow it. You know, when I mm-hmm. we were asking. We thought, oh, they may not allow it. And then when you said yes, and then I heard what he had done with uh, trying to convince everybody, you know, look what I'm, I'm got. 
um, I thought, God, you are incredible uh, how yeah. we can turn things around to good. That Romans 8.28, we need to stand and believe it and never doubt that God will turn this all around to good. And uh, it was just a huge, uh, I think it's a huge praise for today. You know, the people have seen this, um, over 6,500 people, but I, they've not heard all these details, and that's why we wanted you on so badly to be able them to see and hear that, um, and, and prodigals leave in all different shapes and ways, and standards and the marriage problems are all different. There's all variety, but the devil does the same and does the tricks and the schemes, and uh, but God gets the glory in the end, and uh, God is really getting the glory now uh, today, celebrating that. These people are going to hear this over and over now on the the recording, and uh, they are going um, to be able to to see what God has done and how they're going to have hope and encouragement for what God's going to do for their situation. And I think that's what Ryan is saying and said at the beginning, and Carrie, that's what you're saying now. Finally, at that moment, you saw God answer a prayer that it was a burden to you, deep a, bur- a deep burden. Oh yeah, yeah, and and things that um, you know, even after our marriage was restored, still things that I didn't think could be redeemed, just little things, and of course, and big things. You know, there's there's so much that as as standards, we feel like we just have to swallow so much. We just have to forgive and and constantly forgive you know and forgiveness for for many of us depending on what our situation is it's not a one time thing because you can forgive one thing and then they pile on another one and another one and <laughs> and it's a constant you know and i can remember just thinking how many more things am i going to have to lay down <laughs> you know and there were some things like i said that just that the humiliation and the embarrassment i just didn't think that was ever going to be gone i just figured that's something i'm just going to have to swallow and move on and you know just let it go but yet god is showing me how so many things even now he's still going back and redeeming those situations and you know it, it it's not a it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, hey, we're married and this is all over. It's still a process. You know, even when Ryan came home, it just was a sometimes a minute-by-minute thing. Sometimes I'd run into the bathroom and think, oh, gosh, can I do this? <laughs> even though he's home, can I still do this? I got what I wanted, you know. And um, and yet, even, even in the midst of it, God is saying, yes, this is exactly, you're just going to have to walk through it. There are just some things... You know, it wasn't a Hallmark movie in a lot of the a lot of the circumstances that we had, but that doesn't mean that God wasn't in it and that He's not still working it out. Um, one of the things that, um, in fact, another example um, after Ryan had left in November and we still weren't divorced, but in March of that same year, um, that next year. Michaela and I just went on a spring break trip just just to get out of town. I just needed to get away from every everything and everybody. And it was on that trip that one night after I put her to bed, I was just in the living room crying and praying and I was looking up a specific verse and um um looked it up in the index and found what I w- was looking for, but I must have referenced it wrong and I looked up the r- totally the wrong thing, but I 
now I know the Holy Spirit was leading me to Jeremiah thirty-one, sixteen, and 17. Mm. And that, those verses say, This is what the Lord says, Restrain from your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, which I was already crying. <laughs> and it says, For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. You know, and I just I sat back in my chair and I thought, Lord, it, that's not what I was looking for. Is this from you? Did you know? Is this what you're saying to me? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying yes. I'm Ryan is coming back from from the land of the enemy, and I was like, okay, right now, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> and um, and I, I received it, and I just sat and I was thanking the Lord for it. And then just a few minutes later, the Holy Spirit it said it's fixing to get worse, and I thought. <laughs> Wait just a minute. You just said that he was coming back, um, you know, from the land of the enemy, and I could stop crying. <laughs> and then he said, you know, he, uh, gently again, he said, it's fixing to get worse. And sure enough, the next day was when I started getting reports from that Ryan had gone home uh, to get to talk to his family about his, um, you know, I don't think he actually went down there and said I'm getting married, but he kind of went down there to feel them out and see how that what they thought about it and everything. And I, you know, so then there was another wave that crashed over me. But yet I know that I knew that was a word that God had given me that even though things were going to get worse, you know, and and I really all along kept thinking God's going to stop this marriage. You know, there's too many people praying and I'm praying and I'm believing and He's going to stop it before it happens. And but He didn't, you know. And then at some point, uh, when Ryan did get married, I remember thinking, okay, once he gets remarried, that's it. I, you know, I get, the stand is over, you know, because that's that's just the end. And I can remember distinctly taking my ring off for the first time ever in, in 15 years, you know, um, and, and laying it on the counter and saying, that's it, I'm done, he's married. And I mentioned this in the in the wedding. I was working at a conference, and uh, in the bookstore I went in, and there was a, a, a ring that looked similarly like a wedding band. It was just some cheap Christian jewelry, but he said, get that wedding band and put it back. And I, said, and I told the Lord, I said, that kind of looks like a wedding band, and he said, yes. <laughs> and so I didn't put my old ring back on, but I did put another one on that looked like a wedding band, and and God was very clear to me that my stand was not over just because there was another marriage that he, he still had a plan. And um, and I still had to hold on. <laughs> so it, And it we say that every day. Don't worry about the circumstances. And that scripture that you had is one that I was given many, when, many, many years ago because I was always the one crying also. And yeah. <laughs> it and it says they will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your future, and what a what a promise. And there's also in in that for anybody that's got children that are being rebellious and in the far country, go back verse to 15 and read uh, through 17 because that's a scripture that you can stand on and pray and uh, put their spouse put their children's name in it and those spouses can put your spouse's name in it but it's it's a powerful scripture and just brings back memories of how the Lord speaks over and over and he has a way of speaking to us that's far beyond what we can imagine but if your spouse is talking about marriage it's not over and that that's where we continue to say that and uh and we've got 
living proof of it over and over now with Andy and uh, Sandra and with their testimony. And, of course, we have Fabian and Luz's most recent testimony. And uh, non-covenant marriage is, is, is literally what Ryan said today was so similar to what Fabian has said today. And um, let me go back just to Ryan a little bit. We probably need to bring back him in a little bit. But, Ryan, you said something very powerful that I want us to address just a little bit is that um, you talked about how depressed and discouraged and, and that you just didn't see a way out and how you were going to go back home to the point that you said that you were thinking, you know, possibly suicide. You know, when we had three prodigals at our Bible study, and we've talked this on a CD, but there were all three of them in their different testimonies shared how they battled of making such a mess of their lives that they battled different thoughts at different times that they just need to get out of the, out of the way and just remove themselves because there's no way they saw that. And uh, I'm saying this all to standards, that this praying is necessary, and it is uh, so important to pray for uh, the armor of God on you and your spouse and your family, all of them. And you need to, and we'll ask Carrie about that in a minute, but you need to put the hedge of protection, the blood of Jesus, the wall of fire around them. You need to to really pray um, and pray scriptures, and I, I say that. We're now memorizing scriptures, one scripture a week. You can do one scripture every two weeks, and you'll still memorize 25 scriptures at least a, a, a year. We need to pray so that we can keep praying for our spouses. You do not know the battle that they're in um, at where they're at. And Ryan, as far as Carrie was seeing, was he was happy. But, Ryan, with this thoughts, the enemy is, if we got to go back, is, is out to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10.10. 10. Um, don't, don't you think that because of Carrie's persistence in her prayer lot time was really keeping you where you did not uh, go down that road? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> you know, during the during the divorce and before I was remarried, the Holy Spirit told me this is going to be fast and furious, and I didn't exactly know what that meant. And I was thinking, well, this divorce is going to be fast and kind of furious, and it was, and it kind of was. But then, you know, my second marriage was fast and furious, and it was over. And so when I went to Florida, I was. You know, I didn't know <clears throat> didn't know what was what was going on or how this could be fixed or settled or you know I've just uh, you know I've been divorced from one wife and then left another and going to be divorced from her and now there's two divorces and you know, this is too much it's too much to handle. So, how long were you married to the other woman? Uh, we were married from. July, and I left in January. The divorce wasn't final until July of 2012. Okay. So it was almost a year, almost a year um, technically. Okay. 
Hey, so Mary, and it's Lori. I wanted to jump in and ask you a question. When you were sharing your testimony, you had mentioned um, that you and Carrie had a time where you were texting back and forth, and then you kind of got nervous, and and um, you, I think you said you put the brakes on because you felt like you couldn't forgive yourself. And we right. call that around our ministry a false start because as a stander, they're hanging on every word and action that they hear from their prodigal. So sometimes a stander will have an interaction with their prodigal, and the prodigal will say, you know, I can't do this anymore, and I, I've got to come home. And the stander thinks, okay, this is it. I'm getting my restoration. And then the prodigal goes into that same mindset. Well, wait, I, what am I doing? I can't go back to that. I can't go back like things were. And it can be a real roller coaster for a person that's standing. And can you just embellish a little bit more on where you were because you were obviously – fighting feelings that you needed to go home, but you were feeling like you were unworthy to go back to that marriage, or what was going on in your mind then? Uh, that's exactly right. I, I didn't, I felt unworthy, and that I, you know, even though Carrie and Michaela said that they forgave me, I couldn't, I couldn't see it, because I felt like I was, I just was too far. And so, uh-huh. um, so you know, I didn't know what I didn't know what to do. So I did put on the brakes. I didn't know how to come across and tell Carrie, "Hey, this is how I'm feeling," because I I didn't know myself to tell you the truth. I didn't know I wanted right. I wanted to have my family back, but I, could, I just I couldn't do it. And um, do you remember how long that process lasted in your mind, where you were battling those feelings? It was probably because we went we went on vacation in uh, July for. Fourth of July week, and it was just a couple of weeks after that that I put on the brakes, or you know, pretty soon after that, up until almost uh, November, because Michaela had a uh, had a concert or a, a play that she was in, and I came up, and Carrie and I started talking again. Uh, so it was probably a matter of a couple of months, and then they came down for Christmas. And, um, you know, that's really when, right before Christmas, I went to my my mom and dad's room and talked to my mom, and I said, I've got to get my family back. And when they came down for Christmas, we had such a a great time, and, you know, and they had to go back, come back home, and I was like, we can't do this anymore. You know, I've got to figure a way out. And Carrie and Michaela were, you know, they, they were saying, you know, we'll move down here. Well, that's that's exactly what I wanted because I've wanted to be in Florida for you know for such a long time. And I thought that'd be great. You know, they move down here and we can start over, start fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, and I started looking for different jobs. You know, something that could pay a little bit more and that we could you know uh, wouldn't have to struggle or anything like that. And, I had I was training and, and also got a, a job as a an assistant baseball coach at a at a high school so there's a little bit more money and and so during that time, you know, God was saying, you know, Brian, you're you're gonna go back to Tennessee and I said, No, I'm not. There's no way. You know, they already they already said that they're gonna come down here. And so there was another battle, you know, I, I was like, There's no way I'm not gonna go back to Tennessee. I have too many hurts in Tennessee, and I've heard too many people, I don't want to go back to that, and I don't want to, 
you know, I don't, the work was not, it just wasn't there in Tennessee. And I want to be able to provide for my family. And I, I don't want to go back to that. And, you know, and our baseball team was doing such a, a great job. We were seeded number one and going into our district tournament. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't leave now. We're doing such a good job. And, and God said, nope, right now is the time that you need to go back. And so I, I told the kids on the baseball team and, and the other coach, I said, I need to go back. I need to get my family back. I told my parents. And uh, all that happened within, you know, just a week and a half or two weeks. All that happened, and I you know, moved back. And um, so it was, <clears throat> but it was hard coming back because, you know, now I've got to face a lot of people that, that I've hurt and a lot of people that um, that I've taken for granted and, and uh, I had to face Carrie's parents and ask for their forgiveness you know, and other people that that I've hurt that I, I had to ask for their forgiveness and tell them reasons why I'm back or reasons that this or that happened so you know, and that's the reason I didn't want to really didn't want to come back that was one of them. You know, That's the part, of so, the part of the restoration process also, though. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's yeah. And that's what God was God was telling me, that this is all part of the healing process, is that, you know, it's not that, that you and Carrie and Michaela are healed, but there's a lot of other people that are involved that, that love you and that love Carrie and that love Michaela and that all, you know, everybody's going to be a part of this healing process and part of this restoration. So this is needed, and you have to do this. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Carrie, did you ever pray Psalm 51 with his name in it? Um, I don't know for that one in particular. The one um, when when you're talking about praying scriptures with their names in it, Psalm 107 was... um, was one of the main ones because I, I realized how much uh, Ryan was just in darkness and chains and um, that that psalm more than anything I prayed his name over and over that he would just be free from all the chains that were on him. Um, so that was kind of the main one that I prayed specifically for him. And that that's really where he was being set free. And you know it's it's so ironic, uh, Ryan, that you said. And what Lori is saying, going through the restoration process, is, you know, God wants restoration and healing for all the people that watched that and thought, wow, he, you know, he did it, and he was a Christian, and, and this and that. But then you're coming back, and you're saying, you know, God, it's just like David with Bathsheba. You know, there, there, was, there was consequences, but he wants the restoration, he wants restoration, and God is a God of restoration and reconciliation, and he wanted that every person that saw that up there gets to see your wedding and or hear that you're getting remarried, that that, that sin, that detour road of God's best for marriage, you got right back. He pulled you back off of that sinful lifestyle and those thoughts and those temptations and brought you back home. And what an incredible testimony you've had locally 
by you uh, coming back home and, and, and doing and doing that restoration. Yeah. It really was. And, and, you know, during our, right before we got remarried, it was probably a week or maybe two weeks that I felt so, I guess, heavy or burdened because I knew, you know, Pastor Sears was giving us an opportunity to give our <clears throat> testimony and, you know, we could say a couple words or, or whatever, and, and I knew exactly what I needed to say. And it was just, you know, it was almost to the point of being too heavy, and it was just, it was it was going to be hard, and I knew, but I knew that I, I needed to say it, and I had to say it, and God was going to get me through it. Um, but it was so neat to be able to, to say what I had to say and feel free to say it, and nobody was going to throw you know, throw stones at me or anything like that. But also, but also, you know, the pastor was saying, asking people that anybody that wanted to renew their vows to come up, come up to the front, uh, up to the altar and renew their vows. And I kind of got a quick glance of of who was going, who was up there, you know, kind of backing us up, and and everybody in the congregation was up there. So wow. It was just so, uh, just a sense of, you know, of God's love and and how God has has worked everything out. That there were so many people there that that I heard, but yet they were up there and they were renewing their vows and they were they were behind, you know, Carrie and I, and uh, you know, it was it was just an awesome awesome feeling. To God be the glory. That was a quite a night for God to get the glory on. Uh, I know when uh, you came home in Luke 15, it says there's angels, uh, uh, you know, proclaiming and uh, you know, rejoicing. But I'm sure there on the first night that you returned home, that was happening. But I'm also certain that night there was a mighty choir in heaven proclaiming and rejoicing. That another marriage has been restored, and uh, and that you had uh, succeeded in doing all that needed to be done in restoration to getting back to being remarried again, you know. Um, and and I must say this because uh, people have written to uh, us, and uh, some spouses do come home and they don't get remarried instantly, and uh, there's the steps and the process of the perfect timing for it. But that's something you can pray about. Pray that the Holy Spirit will uh, deal with your spouse, that they will say, let's plan on getting married at such and such. And, and when you when you had a period of time that you did not get remarried, or did you get remarried right away, when did you come home and did you uh, have counseling with Dr. Sears before you got remarried? Or We did. I, I came home April, mid-April, and... Um... We didn't get married until August 19th because my divorce wasn't final until um, middle of July. So, so there, there is a reason you had to wait. <laughs> yeah. There was, yeah. Yeah, I can and remember. there are other ones. I remember I'm going to share that. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm going to share that about another couple that is just the process of restoration uh, this coming week. It's a non-covenant, and they're doing the same thing, having to wait uh, till the divorce. But uh, that's that's okay. God's 
God's in the midst of that in there. So it gave you time to do the counseling also, right? Exactly. It did. Yeah, we did. We did. I, I remember vividly thinking, <laughs> um, actually what Ryan did was he moved in. He moved into um, Michaela's room, and Michaela and I were in what used to be our room. And um, and I remember him tucking us in one night and going into his other little lime green walls and polka dot bedspread <laughs> and crawling into that bed. And I can remember just laying in bed laughing and saying, Lord, this is just not what I thought it was going to look like. <laughs> I, just, I did not expect my husband to come home and tuck me and my daughter into one bed and him go into the other room <laughs> with the posters on the wall and all that, you know, and I just... I can remember at first being so frustrated with God that this was, you know, the route that it was taking, and then eventually I just kind of had to let it be comical, and I thought, okay, well, this is this is where we are, and I know God's working it out. And really, now that I look back, I can see it, it gave Michaela more time to heal. It gave Ryan and I more time to heal to just, you know, be around each other again and, and all of that. And so, but it, that was another one of those things that I kept saying, Lord, are you sure this is, how it's supposed to look. <laughs> mm, that's funny. God does it in all Harry, different ways. He does it all in Harry, different let me, ways. Let me ask you a question that uh-huh. we have um, from Facebook. And somebody asked, how can I show my husband that I love him? And we get that question a lot when spouses are apart. Sometimes they have mm-hmm. contact with each other regularly because of children, but mm-hmm. sometimes they don't have children, and so they don't have a lot of contact. And being in the um, technology age that we are, it helps with texting that you can, you know, send somebody a message and they don't have to answer the call or even respond. But what were some ways while you and and Ryan were apart that you were able to just communicate that you were praying for him and that you loved him and and did he receive it or did he ignore you or did you do it often or not often? How did you do that while you were apart? I had to be real careful because of my personality to make sure that I wasn't trying to manipulate the situation or, you know, I think in the beginning when Ryan left, um, that's all all that's going through your head is how can I get him back? How can I fix this? You know, what can I do? And so that's something I stayed in really um, specific prayer about, that it would not be something that I was trying to orchestrate a situation or something like that. And, of course, when he was married that made it that much harder but there were a few very specific times you know that the holy spirit just prompted me to send him a text um mostly it was that because ryan was was very um didn't want to hear my voice and didn't want to hear anything that i had to say um so texting was a was something that i did um you know i would on his birthday i prayed about when he when he was married i i prayed about should i get him a gift or anything and the holy spirit told me no um you know and then after he had moved to florida and was not uh he was still married on paper but wasn't living with her anymore then i felt a little more free to you know send a letter or um a card or something i remember um he turned 40 when um he oh, am I supposed to say that Ryan sorry <laughs> he turned 40 29. when we were Probably not. Uh, yeah. that's right we're yeah. not counting ages around this place yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he turned 40 when he was in Florida and I was so disappointed that I didn't get to be a part of you know that birthday but that was still the time when um when he wasn't talking to me there wasn't communication with us so I took my daughter um out and I thought well we'll do something special for him from her 
So we took her, it was hilarious, we took her, I took her out and we did, this is what 40 candles look like, and of course it looked like the whole cake was going to burn down, and we did, you know, all kinds of pictures of this is what 40 of something looked like, and I took all these pictures of her in a funny situation. And then uh, Ryan was a big uh, baseball player years ago and, and coached softball and everything, so I took 40 softballs and I actually made a heart around home plate and so uh, I took a picture of that, and I sent him that from me, and I told him, you know, that he could always come home. Um, so there was little things that, that I felt comfortable in doing, but I mostly I think for me, um, because of my personality, because I was always the one that talked, I was always the one that, you know, shared and, and all this stuff, I think for me God was teaching me that my silence and, you know, I think I made it very clear to Ryan that I was praying, I was believing, but I think my silence um, was louder than anything. You know, and I had a friend that told me that her husband, when they were having marriage problems, he said, you are talking so much that even if God did speak to me, I couldn't hear it. You know, and, and that was something that that one re- that resonated in me was, so what when I did do things, I tried to make them really simple and really quiet and just, very simple statements, you know, I love you, you're always welcome at home, you know, that kind of stuff. But you, you, know, you did say it, though. You did tell him. Yes, you, you, oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah, we and find Ryan, that people get into the, they go from one extreme to the other where they feel like they need to manipulate the situation and to mm-hmm. constantly try to be in contact with that person. And that's great the way your friend said it. That's perfect because... When you're constantly in their face, how can you expect God to deal with them when all they're hearing is from you? Yes, and I can remember actually uh, a situation, um, and Ryan may want to share it because I'd never heard it, and I I will say this, Ryan was always very kind to respond with a thank you or a, you know, (laughs) but that's all I ever got. I never knew, I, I never knew that in the situation that it had affected him or anything, he was always very standoffish and very, thanks, that was great, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. No um, encouragement. That was, no, no. And that, and Ryan was sharing with another guy that we've been ministering to that's standing, this a situation when I did text him and he he was sitting out in the cold because he'd been in a fight with his wife and, and all this. And I can remember sitting there and just laughing because I was thinking, well, I never knew this. <laughs> You know, so there were things, I guess, you know, and I knew I was prompted by the Holy Spirit, but I never I never knew that it accomplished anything. Um, Carrie, let me ask you another question that came in. Um, Amanda wants to know, how did you continue to stand even after the crushing reality of Ryan remarrying? Sometimes we will hear from people and they feel like you did. You had said that you felt like, okay, when he remarries, that's the finish line. And we have people that will receive divorce papers, and then they throw their hands up and think, okay, that's it. What can I do now? Or there's a remarriage or the birth of a non-covenant child. And did it change? Did it take you long to submit to the Lord that you needed to continue to stand, or did you battle that out with him? Um, One of the – let me give her a specific verse that really ministered to me, because I am a very – practical and very black and white person you know I I was one of those that had you come to me before all of this and said if somebody commits adultery what's the answer and I would have answered every time divorce you know the Bible's clear that's the only reason you know so for God to pull me into this 
new place in my life was was just you know I would have never if you'd asked me a week before I'd have said there's no way (laughs) you know um one of the verses uh, and so that I had that battle of you know everybody's telling you speak life and speak faith don't speak anything negative don't speak anything you know and yes I wanted to do that but then there was the personality part of me that is very black and white and I I see things how I see them, and and I just don't see any room for gray there. Um, And I know the Lord knows that about me. And so one of the verses that just ministered to me over and over was Romans 4, 17 through 21. And it's where um, there's, he's talking about Abraham. And, of course, a lot of people quote that the scripture that says, He's the Father in, in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things into being that were not. And that was, you know, I, the Lord was speaking to me so many times saying, I know you don't see it and it looks dead, but I'm going to call it into being even though you can't see it. Um, but then the verse that he says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him and it says without weakening in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised so there came a point in all of this when I needed God gave me permission to face the facts. And, you know, just like he said that about Abraham, I looked at my, I was able to look at my situation and say, okay, okay, Ryan's gone. He's remarried. (laughs) Nothing has gone the way that I thought it was going to go. You know, he looks happy. Everything looks great on his end. He's got everything he, he said that he ever wanted. And, you know, I had to face those facts, but then I had to land on the last part of that, that verse I can look at it and see it for how I see it at this moment, but I am fully persuaded, God, that if you said you're going to fix this and you're going to restore this marriage, then I believe that you have the power to do it. So I needed that permission to look at everything as it was and and maybe not see it in faith at that moment, but I needed permission for God you know, to, to let me deal with the reality of my life stinks at this moment. <laughs> But I am fully persuaded that God can do what he said he was going to do. So, And that is what we need. We need that yeah. faith, hope, and trust. And it's maybe blind faith, but it's taking that leap of faith, believing what God has spoken. And there mm-hmm. goes that Ezekiel 7, you know, uh, Ezekiel 37, that they, you've got dead bones and a dead marriage and a non-covenant marriage, but it doesn't matter. He's going to breathe back new life into it, which he did. And um, we've got uh, just a few minutes left, and um, I'd like Ryan to think of one the few last things he'd like to say to any standard or prodigal that's listening, and, uh, and you likewise, Carrie, and... Then we're going to close in prayer. Uh, Lori, do you want to do one more question? Do you think you can get one more question in or not? I think, let me just check, I think we covered them all. Yeah, we did cover them all. It was great. Okay, great. Ryan, there are so many prodigals that need to hear your voice and to say, Regardless of your circumstances, go home. What? How do you? Can you um, 
tell them, you know, I think what another thing we did not address is you were tired of Carrie's behavior and actions, and God does touch and change, um, you know, Carrie's heart and life, and it's a process for the rest of our lives to be more what we need to be for our husbands, and likewise for you to be all that you need to be for Carrie and and for the husbands to be what we need. Um, But... I know maybe the devil tried to tell you she's never going to change. How where, how can you speak to the prodigals to give the spouses and their children another chance? Well, you know, Carrie, through the time that we were apart, you know, I could tell every time that we that we did talk, especially when I was in Florida, that you know, that God was changing her heart. She wasn't. She wasn't, you know, there were times she could have been very harsh and brash, and she wasn't. She let things kind of roll off her back, and um, and she received a lot of things graciously when she could have, you know, she could have lashed out and said, you know, this isn't right. Look what you've done to me, and look what you've done to Michaela. And, and she didn't do that. She was very gracious and very loving. And that's the thing that that I look back at is, that she loved me even though I messed up royally and she continued to love me each and every day and that she showed me that by the text that she sent me and the little things. You know, that birthday present was the best, best birthday present <clears throat> I've ever gotten. And that is huge. <laughs> yeah. So that that is the, the biggest thing is her showing me how much she loved me even though you know, things were messed up. And I, I had messed things up. But she continued to love me no matter what. And that's, you know, and God was like, hey, look look what's going on here. Look what I'm doing, you know. You know, she's, got, she's had plenty of opportunities to say something to you or to, you know, to lash out. But, but she's not. And he was saying, look what I've, look what I've done. You know, look, look what I am doing. Look what I'm doing in you, and so, you know, for for prodigals, uh, I had a dream last night of my sister and brother-in-law. They they got divorced in November, and my brother-in-law is is running from from God, and he's got a lot of a lot of things going on in his life that he just doesn't know who he is. He's got a lot of people telling him telling him who he is but he's not listening to the one person that that can give him that, that validation. And so I had a dream last night that he was running, and I was kind of chasing after him, telling him, buddy, you don't need to run anymore. You know, God's going God's gonna to find you. And the further you run, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how far you run or how fast you run, God is going to find you. He's going to set you straight. I just wanted mm. I just wanted to tell you that. I said he said he did that to me. You know, I could have I ran, you know, as fast and as hard as I could. And but he found me and he has he he took care of me and he's gonna continue to take care of me and continue to change me to where I I'm gonna be the, the husband and the father that I am supposed to be. Amen. That's what I kept telling kept telling him was you know, quit your running, quit your selfishness, you know, um, and turn your life, 
completely over to God and, and obey Him. And that's what I would tell prodigals is stop stop your running and and be obedient. And for the Sanders, you know, like I just said, showing showing the prodigal how much you love them, even though they're messing everything up, is you know speaks volume. You know, if Carrie, if she would have continued to be in my ear 100% of the time, then then I would have been further further and further away. But she she listened and she obeyed what God was saying, and that spoke even more volume to me. So that's what I would say. Okay, thank you, Carrie. Um, you know, I would just say that it, it's about more than than what you can see right now. I think one of the things that kept me going in all of this um, was the thought that it's not just about me. It's not just about you know something that's going to make me feel good right now. Um, would it have been easier to move on? I would say 100% yes. It would have been easier and more convenient to just say, okay, I have the scriptural out. Ryan, you know, committed adultery, and I can leave. I can leave and I can move on. But what God spoke to me was that I could do that, and it would be within my rights. <laughs> but he wanted me to stand for something better, something best. And, you know, all the people that come up to you and say, God's got something better for you. And, you know, compared to what Ryan was at that moment, finding something better would have been a distinct possibility. <laughs> um, but waiting for God's best, you know, when I looked at the at the picture down the road of what's best for my daughter, what's best for her children and, and future generations, I have mm. a some Asian friends that are very um, generational minded, you know, and when you look yeah. at the Old Testament, God is a God of generations. He's not talking about a moment in time. He's talking about what is this going to impact thousands of years past you, and that helped me a lot to recognize that this isn't just about me being comfortable right now. It's not just about what's easy right now. This is about my daughter and her children and our grandchildren and, and all of that, and when I looked at it from that perspective, then I could drag myself out of bed another day <laughs> and realize, yeah. you know. Well, that's that's what the point is. It's not about today. It's about tomorrow and for future generations. You said it perfectly. Well, let's close in prayer, and I'm going to have Lori pray for um, the children, and I'm going to have you pray for the standards, and uh, and Ryan pray for the prodigals, and then I'll close. And uh, we enjoyed you. Thank you so very, very much for all of you uh, calling in and listening and uh, trying to get some of the questions on. Thank you, Ryan and Carrie, for being so transparent and so open, and uh you know, it doesn't matter, um, this was their story, but it doesn't matter how long your spouse has been gone and how long they've been married to somebody else or if they've got another child or if uh, you don't even know where your spouse is. Um, it, it, the circumstances don't matter with God. What matters with God is that his mighty power can move the mountains in anything. And uh, he hates divorce, so don't give up. Uh, I just think God is trying to show us over and over that we need to pray for our spouses and pray for their protection. Ryan, thank you for being so honest and transparent and sharing uh, your dreams and all. Um, Lori, why don't you start and we'll go to Carrie, Ryan, and then I'll close. 
Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, get together on this phone conference with hundreds of other people that are listening in from all around the globe. And I just pray right now, and um, specifically for the children that are going through separation and divorce in their family, and Lord, I pray that you would um, just comfort them. I know that as children, they can't always understand what's going on, and they don't need to understand the details of what's happening. But I just pray that this would be a time for them, that they would be able to grow spiritually as their parent is growing spiritually, and that they would see that we're praying for mommy or daddy and that God is doing things, that you would just be real to them on their age level, that they would be able to understand that you do answer prayer. You don't delight in in the hurting of um, your children, but you do want to um, answer their prayers and have something better for them. And, God, this is a perfect example of that. You had something better in mind for Ryan and Carrie than they even did. And even when Carrie thought that she could imagine and could um, figure out what would be best, you had something better down the road. And we thank you for the restoration that has happened in their marriage. We thank you for um, Ryan's commitment to just being real with you and being real with those around you that that he's come in contact with and not hiding from the things that he's um, done in the past, but just owning up to it. And that is such a testimony to others that are maybe even walking the same path he's gone through that don't tell people about it. And I just thank you for his transparency and for his obedience to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them and bless Michaela, and thank you for this testimony that you've given them. Um, It's not easy, even when you're restored. It's not a perfect fairy tale after that, and you go through bumps, and just like any other marriage, it's it's real life, and you go through um, peaks and valleys. And I just pray that as they continue to live out their marriage for the rest of their life, that you would um, encourage them and um, help Michaela see what true love is and what um, restoration is all about that sometimes there's going to be arguments and there's going to be battles but we don't run away and we're not going to divorce over these things that this is just real life we're going to get through it and learn how to live with each other um, I just pray for the children that are in the midst of these separation and divorce situations that are really rebelling and are um, just going far away from you and away from their family with drugs and alcohol and being promiscuous and I just pray that you would um, send a person in that child's life that could draw them back to you mm-hmm. and invite them to go to youth group or invite them to go to church and um, show them that they just can find love even in the midst of the darkness that they're facing in their family. Send a man or a woman to um, come alongside them and be a father or a mother for the absent parent that's not there. And I just pray that that would be a godly person that could really impact their life right now while they're missing a parent at home. Um, Thank you for this conference call today and for the message and for the um, testimony that was shared. Amen. Father, I just thank you for the the privilege of being a stander. And uh, I know there were so many times when I didn't see it as a privilege, but I pray that for every stander that's listening and that, that hears these words, that they will recognize that this is a calling and it is a privilege, it is a high calling, and it is not going to be easy, but Father... The benefits far outweigh the pain and the frustration that they're going to feel. I pray, Father, that you'd give them the faith to see the future, the faith to see that you are moving and that you are doing things and that they can trust that you are not a God who speaks and does not act. I pray, Father, that you would just remind them 
that this is your will, that your will always involves restoration. It always involves redemption. Just remind them that um, when they align themselves with your will, that they are walking in the right path, Lord, because everything that you are calling them to do is very uh, countercultural, and they are not. this is not a popular decision. But, Father, I pray that you would just fill them with enough of your Holy Spirit and uh, anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk through this, Father. I pray that your word would come alive to them and that everything that they have depended on other people for during this time, they would recognize that they can depend on you for. And I pray, Father, that you would just undergird them and send other people to encourage them, send more testimonies to them. Father, send people who will continue to pray for them in the midst of their circumstances, Lord, people that will be the body of Christ to them. I just pray that you would lift them up, Father, and place their their feet on a firm foundation, and that with every doubt and every emotion and everything that they face, Father, I pray that your light and your voice would shine brighter and louder than the voice of the enemy, and I pray that they would quickly notice the difference between your voice and the voice of the enemy, and they would be quick to respond only to your voice. Lord, I pray that you just give them eyes to see the unseen and faith to believe the impossible. Lord, I just thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the prodigals, Lord God, and I just ask that you would Bring them home, Lord God, that you would send somebody into their lives um, that would love them and that would encourage them to be obedient to you and to go back home, Lord God. Thank you uh, just for your your love and your mercy and your grace that is new every single every single day, every single morning, Lord God. I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, That uh, that when he did that, it takes our past, present, and future sins away, and I, I pray that you would let the prodigals know that when they come to you and ask for forgiveness, their sins are forgiven, Lord God. And I just pray that you would, again, just bring them home, I pray that you would take care of them, and I pray that your loving would just wrap around them in Jesus' name. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for today, and we thank you that as it says in the Bible, that you will free the open their eyes that are blind and you will free captives from the prison and release them from the dungeon who sit in darkness and that you will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. And these are things it says, I will do and I will not forsake them. And we thank you that you are not forsaking the prodigals. You are not leaving them alone. You're not uh, forgetting them, but you are speaking to them. And we thank you for uh, Bob saying over and over that he heard and felt our prayers and that uh, Ryan is confirming it today over and over. And uh, that we pray that we, uh, against uh, the spirit of suicide or death, that could come against any of the prodigals or any of the children that are in the wayward uh, into the far country right now. We ask that you would protect them from the evil one, Lord, and we just ask that you would be with them. And I pray that all of the standards and the prodigals will forget the former things, but do not dwell on the past, because God it says in Isaiah 43, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the deserts and streams in the wasteland. And, Lord, I just praise you and thank you for this testimony. And I pray that men and women around the country and around the world 
um, that when they do get their marriage restored in God's perfect timing, you will be able to proclaim this uh, into to the airways to other people that we will not keep these marriage restorations secret and will not be able to share to give hope and encouragement to others. Um, God wants to get the glory and honor and praise, and we just pray that we will continue to have restored marriages arise up and, and give God the glory for what they have gone through. Yes, it's being transparent, but we are giving the devil a black eye today, saying God is a God of restoration, and we just thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you that as we come into this holy week, that um, Palm Sunday, everybody was praising you and thanking you and and glorifying you for all the miracles that you had done in so many different cities. And, and we just ask that you would, and then temples and so forth. And now, Lord, we just ask that you would move the mountains of circumstances and so many um, standards lives and, and that they will rise up to be a strong standard. They will believe the word of God. They'll believe the power of our Lord Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And we pray that this will make the week that the standards will make a new commitment of standing firm, waiting for their spouse to come home. And we pray that you will open prodigal's eyes that are seeing darkness only, but turn it to light. And we pray that you will take, uh, turn them and escape them from the enemy and turn them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We just know Jesus is the answer. He's always been the answer, and he paid the price for all of our sins. And we just pray that this week will be a mighty week of two Sundays of thousands and thousands of of prodigals coming back to their Lord Jesus Christ or coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never surrendered their heart and life. We pray for all the family members that all of us have that are listening to this that have never accepted the Lord, and we've been praying for their salvation. We just pray that within these next two weeks that there will be many family members that will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and, and all around the world. We are praying for a mighty harvest for the next two weeks. And, Lord, thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for being willing to sacrifice. And thank you, Lord, for orchestrating this meeting today and this telephone conference. We thank you for uh, the uh, Carrie and Ryan being so transparent and open. And may this give hope and encouragement to every stander that listens to it. And we pray for many prodigals to listen to it, to see how they can go home and they can go home. Lord, we pray that you will speak to them, to many, many, many prodigals tonight and say, now is the time, go home. And the stand will be ready to open their arms up and, and love them unconditionally as Carrie has loved Ryan. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. We just appreciate it so much. You have been a blessing today. To God be the glory. Before we wrap up, I just want to encourage you all, since it is the weekend um, and this is Easter time, we have a lot of standers that check out of church because they just think it's too hard and they can't face it alone. And I would just encourage you, if you have a Saturday night service in your area or a Sunday service, to just Be bold and go back to church because, as you see here, you can't keep your testimony of your stand and when you get your restoration to yourself. And You need to let others around you experience what you're going through. Even when you're not at the restoration part, let them be part of your stand. And so you need to be part of that community of church. So find a church that preaches the word and and go to it. 
Amen. Amen. And there are churches that believe in marriage restoration. There are pastors. Just, you'll find the right church. Ask God, he'll lead you. Excellent words, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for everybody being here, and we appreciate it. Tim and uh, all the kids that have been here to help us. We appreciate it. God bless you all. Bye. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.